I'm here today with two great guys in the tech and financial services ecosystem in the region. My brother, Robert Ochieng, and I'll come back to Robert. Uh, he'll do his introduction. And Peter Jiangwei. Peter is a tech entrepreneur. He's also pretty experienced in the e-commerce um, ecosystem in the region. Guys, welcome to Ali Talks Tech. Thank you. As I always try to do in my uh, introductions, I like to ask my guests to talk a little bit about themselves, family, career-wise, where we are at. And then we delve into our conversation today, which really is about everything about tech and the tech ecosystem, financial services in the region, uh, Robert, your, uh, your first lab, financial personal financial education and stuff like that. So, Robert, over to you. Who is Robert? Thank you very much, Ali, for having me. So, my name is Robert Ocheng. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Obojan Investment, which is a wealth tech here in Kenya. And uh, looking at my history, my background is actually in computer technology. And then over the years, I worked in the financial services sector. At one point, I was working at Equity, and that's where I fell in love with the financial services Do you industry. mean equity? Yeah, that one. <laughs> the one that everyone knows now across the globe. Yeah, so I fell in love uh, at a time when we were doing some implementation for an NEC trading system and just got into stock market, uh, wealth management and stuff like that. And later on, we, build a we built a very big ecosystem in terms of online communities with over 400,000 people now. and that So that's Abojani now? Yes, that now gave birth to Abojani. Uh -huh. Yes. Also, the the community came before Abojani? Yes, yes. So we front-loaded investments. Interesting. Yeah, so spent a lot of time doing offline meetings as well uh, to build the community because we realized that actually the biggest challenge is making finance relatable to everyone else before even you start selling products to them. And sometimes people do it the other way around. Where you build a platform, you say you are the best, and you find that no one is coming to your platform. So we started with a community, creating trust, since our financial services industry is very big on trust. Yes. And now uh, from there, we've now built a, a startup that I can say is uh, focused on African values of the dinner table conversations. Uh, you make focused on the African values of the dinner table conversation. Yes, the dinner that's, table. That's an interesting yes. uh, concept. Could you sort of expound a little bit on that for so my viewers? The dinner table is like the pulse of an African uh, family. <laughs> when they are happy, you'll see them smiling there. And if there's something that is disturbing them, nobody's the smiling. Level, no, nobody's smiling. <laughs> so that's where we go. And sometimes the smiles can be because of the money that they have, they've achieved their goals. Mm. And uh, when they're not smiling, it means that there's something that is troubling them. Maybe it's too much debt or. There's just some problem in the family. <laughs> okay. So when okay. we go there, then it's much easy to expand the conversation because the dad will be there, the, mo the mother will be there, the daughter, depending on the structure. Extended of the family. family. Yes. The, the cousins. Yes. And yes. So on. Mm. yes. Yes. So that way, it's much easier to know that the daughter maybe uh, she need to go to school. The dad is a corporate CEO somewhere. He hangs out with his friends. So if you have a product for him. He's likely to tell his friends. And the mother might be an entrepreneur, uh, maybe in some chama. So if you get into these people, you are likely to reach many Africans. 
So that's our philosophy. That is quite interesting. Peter, over to you. Who is Peter? <clears throat> Great. Thank you so much, Ali, for having us here. Um, I am Peter Diangwe, uh, currently a co-founder at Gobeba. Uh, Gobeba is a platform for ordering home essentials, and you get them in less than an hour. Um, and so we started off working... Uh, what what on, area do you cover right now? So we cover Nairobi and Mombasa now. Um, we started out as, a, as an e-commerce uh, platform. I'm always in love with marketplaces. Uh, but later on, uh, we started seeing that um, uh, we needed to pivot and become a real retailer. And previously, we thought we were solving a problem of convenience only. Could I just stop you there for sure. one minute? Sure. What do you mean by real retailer? Yeah. Very good. Real retailer meaning that we actually uh, own and stock inventory now. Previously, we were connectors uh, of people to um, other retailers. And then we saw that the convenience proposition is great, but it did not have a long-term supply chain transformation. And what we see we need at the moment in this region is actually transforming the way the supply chain works. And so that's what we've set ourselves to do. That's what our pivot has been about in the last couple of months. And so we now have micro-fulfillment centers around Nairobi from where the stuff that you order gets delivered from. Would you, would you please expound on that concept of micro-fulfillment? Great. Um, if you look at e-commerce 1.0, uh, which is uh, probably where uh, most of Africa has been, you know, the, the Amazon of... Uh, centralized logistics. Um, we've seen significant Ju challenges. Something like Jumia? Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, where people order, you consolidate their orders, and then somewhere in a centralized logistics, they get picked up by a truck, and then the following day they get delivered. Now, we run a completely uh, opposite of that. We, instead of thinking about economies of scale uh, from a centralized logistics point of view, we think about economies of density. And so therefore, the, the, the micro-fulfillment centers are small little uh, warehouses located close to customers in suburbs. And they are tethered uh, to when you order your, your, your goods, we then route your order to the nearest duck store to you. What we see with that... Wait a minute there. Duck store? Like there's no light? Or what do you mean by duck store? So the micro-fulfillment center, we also call it a.k.a. Duck, duck store. Because mm -hmm. you can't really go and shop in there. It's a small warehouse. Uh, we are talking about warehouse. We are talking about probably not more than uh, 80 square meters. It's probably between 20 to 80 square meters. Very, very oh, tiny. I mean, almost like a kiosk. It's almost like a kiosk, uh -huh. right? And then, what? believe it or not, um, in a typical supermarket... Your walkways um, occupy about 65% of the of supermarket. The space. Exactly, yes. So therefore, this is the one of the, the biggest costs uh, of a supermarket PL that occupies 65%. Um, and the 65% of the space is actually empty for That's you to come real and walk. That's estate that is basically, uh, by all intents and purposes, yep. sitting empty. Empty, and it's the most expensive real estate, commercial real estate, sitting somewhere in a mall. Interesting. And so no wonder that in the last five years, we've seen terrible failures, not only of indigenous... Um, Globally. 
Exactly. Even the ones that have entered Kenya have left. Wow. Okay. So okay. that's the area we are working on. Before uh, before I got into Gobeba, it was previously at Naspas mm -hmm. um, uh, as GM of uh, OLX here in Kenya. So please explain to my viewers what Naspas is and yeah. what the visible things that they can see that Naspas, Naspas does okay. in this region. Right. So Naspas in this region, you probably have heard of OLX. That was Naspas. Correct. I was running that. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll also see DSTV in this mm -hmm. market, that's NASPAS. Mm -hmm. uh, but globally is where probably you'll see uh, the true picture of what NASPAS, of NASPAS. is. You know, uh, Tencent mm -hmm. um, in China. Uh, the Chinese giant. Ch Chinese know. giant. Yeah. Uh, you'll see uh, probably NASPAS could be ranked as one of the biggest tech investors of our time. Wow. And uh, one of the... Globally. Globally, yes. <clears throat> This is a South African company. This was a South African newspaper. Newspaper. Wow. Company that became a giant in tech investment. I hope my my good friend and my brother who runs Longhorn, uh, Mr. Wahome, is listening to this. I will make sure that he gets this clip. I think I think the case study of of Naspers is something that should be studied by all anybody in the publishing industry in sub-Saharan Africa. Interesting. Peter, thank you so much. That was a great uh, introduction. Robert, thank you so much. That was a great introduction. Now, as is usually my case, I like to shoot from the hip. I have no script. I just want us to discuss stuff that really interests us. Robert, Peter, you're, both of you and myself are in this super exciting and interesting group on WhatsApp called the Digital Disruption Caucus uh, that was started by my good friend um, Jerry Shikule, Jerry Shikule yeah. and a few others, uh, Leon, uh, Leo, Len, Lenny, sorry. Lenny yeah. um, yes, and you know a few others. And we have interesting and great conversations. In fact, sometimes I get the feeling that uh, you can come out of there with a mini MBA on any of the conversations that we have. One of our most interesting conversations that keep on continuously recurring is this issue around startup funding, issues around how to grow a business in Africa. Um, the issues to do with SME funding and stuff like that. Look, I just want us to have a conversation around that. Um, Robert, you have very strong views when it comes to this. You have an open mic. Let's talk about that. Peter, I give you the opportunity to interrupt Robert if you feel that <laughs> it is something you disagree on. Sure. Then we can, and I will jump in as we have this conversation. Perfect. Boss, over to you. Okay. Thank you very much for the opportunity. So I think from my point of view, I would look at uh, financing uh, from finance point of view. So that would be looking at finance as having five key elements. So of course, before you start any business, you need some assets, right? And the assets can either be funded by uh, debt or equity. So that is where 
the bank or someone else has given you some sort of loan. Okay, so asset. Yes. Number one. Uh, yeah, funded by either equity mm-hmm. or uh, debt. Mm-hmm. So under equity is basically someone who has ownership in your company. Mm-hmm. It can be yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are that is where the business or starts. Or an investor. Yes. Mm-hmm. The business starts even before any sale has been made. All right. All right. <laughs> then now you have two activities, uh, which can either be you are sacrificing value, which is expenses. Mm-hmm. Then you are generating value, mm-hmm. which is revenue. Mm-hmm. So basically, once you have those five things, then you have a business. Okay. Of course, other things will come in, but at the end of the day, that is what will make that business go okay. forward or not from a sustainability point of mm-hmm. view. So the most interesting thing is that while traditionally a business can be funded using debt or equity, mm. it can also be funded using revenue. So that is the money from customers. Mm. So my view is that... So paying customers are, yes, an, paying Im- customers. are an important component of any, yes. of any business. <coughs> and it's, it's actually the cheapest source of funding. Correct. And I think that hasn't been highlighted enough so uh, when you hear conversations from SMEs or startups locally, it is mostly they're saying they're not being funded. Yeah, which I think if this information is out there, it could help more people. Yeah, so it could help more people because when you look at uh, revenue, I would say that then we should be spending a lot of time standing at the top of KICC talking about our startups, our products and services so that we go for the cheapest source of funding. Correct. Yes. We need to be all out there on LinkedIn, Facebook, and even the entrepreneurial ecosystems and SMEs, in my view, they need to be media companies. So they need to, like the ones that I mean, they need to tell people about Abojani, which I see I'm at Sandbox as the wealth and investment uh, expert as Abojani. We are there. And they do market to, uh, to their ecosystem. Someone from Tanzania the other day told us that they saw that advert on Sandbox and then they joined our sessions. So so we see that is the cheapest. While we are looking at these other sources of funding, mm. what is the literature that we can do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is one thing mm. when you look at the cheapest source of funding. Then the other thing when you look at SME ecosystem mm. uh, that needs to be highlighted because mm. what I've learned sitting and working with SMEs is that sometimes they don't know how to express their problems and people take advantage of them and speak on their behalf that banks are not lending to you, then it becomes a song. But when you see to the SME, again, you'll hear that, you know, I did this work worth 5 million, 20 million. I've, I've never been, been paid. paid for the last three years. Then I ask them, <laughs> "Why, well, if, if you could have been paid that money, would you even need the bank financing? They mm-hmm. say no. Then I ask them, what is your biggest problem? They say not being paid. So in my view, we need to do a proper research on the receivables that SMEs have. And that's where... That's now, a very we, good point. Yes. And that's where now definition of revenue, revenue is actually not money. <coughs> and I think there is an, there is um, there is some policy and regulatory intervention coming up. Yes. On uh, delaying payment to suppliers, that could be an interesting one. Yeah, and it affects them. And, and the, the education that SME need now to expand on is that revenue is not money; it is a, an activity. <laughs> Yeah. So could, once could could you just expound <laughs> once you understand on that, that let me tell you for example revenue is not money it, it is, is an, an activity. activity yes please expound so on it so this activity means you have created value for your customers so Correct. let's say a corporate calls us as a bojani and we have a, an opportunity to make 10 million mm, kenyans mm. kenyan shillings so we'll be so excited everything will stop mm. so we'll use our resources mm. to deliver that value okay and we'll book it as revenue that okay. is 10 million it still hasn't hit our bank account mm. Then sometimes you have to chase after that payment 
and to the extent of even begging because if it goes beyond the contractual obligation of like one month mm. uh, three months now you are just hoping that one day you'll be paid you'll be paid yes so at the end of the year you can have 100 million in revenue and maybe only 20 million in your bank account i see what or you you've worked get you. jobs get worth 2 million mm. and only 100000 has been paid so you end up not having that money and you see if you could have taken some financing from a bank mm. expecting that you'd be paid within one trouble. month you are in trouble and trouble. once you are in trouble, the way things work, let's be honest and not lie about uh, discrimination or things like that. The way the algorithms work is that they put people, <laughs> they are called classifications. Yes. So if you are an SME and SMEs are likely to behave this mm. way, they are put they are in that group. Treated. And they are going to be treated that way as a early an SME because Robert misbehaved. Right. Yeah, and you're also very so likely... So collective punishment. Basically. Yes, collective punishment. And that is coming from the underlying problem of People not being paid in time. We've heard of uh, supermarket chains that have collapsed with over 20 billion. True. All to SMEs. Quite a number of them, actually. Quite a number. And our good friends, the government, with over 400 billion in uh, unpaid bills. bills. Yes, yes, spending bills. So that money alone, if it, if it could be unlocked in the economy, I think uh, the need for financing will be very low. Or finance players will be able to trust. To trust. SMEs more because now we know that when someone tells you that they're going to pay you within month, mm. one month, mm. that is a contract that you can trust. But if they're going to pay you when they want, then that's a problem. That's a, a problem. Yeah. Peter, what mm. do you have to say? Actually, I there 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 there, there are a lot of areas that uh, I agree completely with uh, Robert. For example, you know, revenue is an activity. I think uh, startups. Uh, 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 usually live by the cash flow sword. Um, uh, cash flow is really the the, the 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 soul of any startup, and and so. Uh, so let me just stop you there, uh, uh, Peter, and let's let's dwell into that a little bit. We have lots of buzz right now mm -hmm. across Africa mm -hmm. about startup funding. Mm -hmm. Is that funding from venture capitalists mm. also cash flow? And how sustainable is that? One of the things that has been something that we discuss, not just in Kenya and Africa, but globally, mm. is the VC model of funding. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And there are certain metrics mm. that VCs look for. Mm -hmm. Growth. Mm -hmm. Growth. Mm -hmm growth is one of the key metrics that they look at. Mm. Sometimes to the extent, and by the way, any VC who disagrees with me, mm. I'm free to host them here mm. and let's come and have a conversation about this. <clears throat> it's almost like mm. having revenue mm. is a sin mm. from a VC's perspective. Mm. Look, and I'm not trying to point at anyone in particular. So I'm not going to mention any names because that would be unfair. Mm. But looking at the number of funding that has happened over the years, not mm. just in Africa and Kenya, mm. but across the world, mm. you find that there are companies that have been funded with, with zero revenue, yep. with no potential initially for mm. growth, but mm. then they have sprouted and grown into what we today know as big tech. That's right. Google, mm -hmm. Facebook. Facebook had no revenue for five years. That's right. You know, so 
how do we reconcile that mm. with what Robert has said? Great. <clears throat> but before you go there, just mm. one last thing, mm. just, you know, I want to say, uh, which should sort of make us have this conversation uh, deeper is most startups today, if you hear the how they talk, mm. is like they have taken the mantra of Mark Zuckerberg, mm. move mm. fast and break things. Mm. Is it true? Mm. Is it the same today mm. as when uh, Facebook was being was being built, or has the world completely changed? Yeah. <clears throat> so I think to have this conversation properly, let's first uh, contextualize it and uh, talk about the different types of businesses Correct. or entrepreneurial pursuits okay. that um, Kenyans, Africans, and sometimes we can say globally, you mm. find yourself getting into. Yes. The first one <coughs> is a kiosk. Right? Um, at the lowest level. Yeah. Usually, mm. if you look at a kiosk, and there's nothing wrong about having a kiosk, yes. it's usually more about survival mode. Mm. Right? So, th most likely, the person running a kiosk um, outside your house, sometimes, and in most cases, if you give them a better job that is salaried, they would actually probably close the kiosk, right? So these are folks on a survival mode. The second uh, type of entrepreneurial pursuit, and you'll find that largely with the middle class, is a lifestyle type of a business. You know, um, uh, uh, you know, advisory services uh, or consulting engagements. You'll find the way people will, 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 will see them in their lives is to improve their lifestyle. Um, get a better house, get a better car. You know, tenderpreneurs usually will be lifestyle types of businesses. Uh, owning maybe a single uh, restaurant somewhere. Um, and a lot of um, middle classes mm. um, in a city here mm. will run a lot of lifestyle businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think they fall into that um, a place that Robert probably talked about yes. in terms of uh, SMEs uh, or micro uh, businesses that are not really on the survivorship, but they are lifestyle businesses. It's what Kenyans sometimes call uh, side hustles when they are still working. Okay. Right? Um, the third type mm. uh, of an entrepreneurial pursuit is a high growth, uh, technology or innovation led uh, type of a business. Mm. Okay, and so when we talk about venture funding, mm. then we are talking about that type. those type of businesses. Exactly. So give some examples. Okay. I'll start with Gobeba. Okay. Gobeba is one. Okay. High growth, mm. innovation, tech-led. Yes. It, it could be built for flip or mm -hmm. to be sold, or it could be built to keep so for built, dividends. Built to flip yeah. or built to last. Exactly. Right. And either of those are actually, there's nothing wrong with that. Most VCs will put their money into the high growth with a view of flipping. Yes. It is an asset class that they yeah, are for not... Them, for them, they have an exit strategy, exactly. which is usually between six to eight years. Correct. Yes. And they are not taking money from LPs so that they can put it in a bank account. Uh, Those L... Peter, what's an LP? You know, at my age, LP, when you talk about LP, I'm thinking about those... LPs that we used to we play. Used to play huh? Yes, those <laughs> so, ones. So let's talk about. <laughs> let's briefly talk about a, a, a venture fund. Yes. Uh, who How be, is that structured? Yeah. So you know you have a venture capital uh, uh, fund mm. 
as a general partner, mm-hmm. you are the one managing the fund. Okay. And then you have you probably put in like say if you're starting say at 10 million shillings mm-hmm. as a venture fund, mm-hmm. you probably put in 100,000 shillings of your money. So that's a general partner. That's a general partner. Okay. At least maybe 1% running the fund. the the fund day to day. Day to day. Okay. And then the rest of 900 9, 900,000 you have mm. to go looking for that money from other individuals okay. they could be institutions mm-hmm. they could be family offices so those are they could the be high partners. net worth was, yeah those are the limited partners okay. so if they give you these 9 million 900,000 to so that you can keep it mm. for 7 years or 8 mm. years and then return it back to them Correct. they're not giving it to you because they didn't have an alternative or It's put not it, charity no it's not charity and it's not that they were lacking a bank to put them Correct. or a money market fund to put the mm, money mm. so that they can earn 12% or so 9% so they're looking for high growth they are looking for they are very clear it's high risk it's high, high growth. growth so therefore you as a vc that's what you go looking for who is this who might need some cash today mm. because tomorrow they'll become the next facebook or the next uh, bigger than they are today Uh, by a hundred times. So Robert here believes that VCs mm. to a large extent mm. are distorting the market for financial services. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's Absolutely. And I, I, <laughs> and I can explain. Explain that to us, Robert. Yeah, so 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 what we are talking about is good and that is basically what grows an ecosystem because the ecosystem is grown by individual. Yes. Yeah, but the, at the end of the day as part of civilization we need to have a, a view of where we want to go as a country and that's why we can't get ahead of the country and is important why, why not why can't we get ahead of we the country we can't get ahead of the country because the country plays a very good role in making uh, things workable for many people but what if the country is too slow robert if the country is too slow uh, what will happen is that you'll end up building a mall and no one will be coming to it so we have that <laughs> responsibility of duality and the duality comes in in that from just studying history if we study history i think we'll be having a totally different conversation because if you study history like the vc model uh, is built basically from silicon valley we know the history there's a little bit of uh, cold war there that made people to be more creative semiconductors yes. came into play yes. those are university play there mm-hmm. so there's a foundation that was built there and The, the other thing that we need is the education that VC like personally uh, I deal with investments and I have some investments in startups yeah and I know very well that that's a high risk investment okay so it's like one out of 10 will work so robert you are a yes. vc and yet you are saying that you don't <laughs> believe in the vc model uh, what so so what it means let me tell you when that's you look at that's a contradictory in terms when you look at personal <laughs> finance yes. you have a portfolio uh-huh. of course any day any time when yeah. i'm sleeping and mm. you just give me like 10 million i know where i'll put it mm. like money market fund that's where money at rest mm. yeah and i can have a good night's sleep mm. then from there there are investments that i can do like stock market yes. bonds and also there's the, this high risk which i know can do 30 times it can do 10 or it can also be zero but now if you want to grow more entrepreneurs in our ecosystem i think we need to look at the path of least resistance because if we create this idea that startup way is the way to go it is not really scalable in terms of wanting to have like a million uh, people in business that's why i need i think the conversation 
uh, needs to be structured and we need now to have it at a national level. Because now what I'm seeing, people from outside who are investors, like personally, I'm an investor in uh, two startups uh, that are global startups. So there's an element on, on, of... Uh, on like, a funding platform. Yes, yes, there's a funding platform, mm -hmm. a crowdsourcing platform where okay. you can invest mm -hmm. as little as you wish, maybe as, as little as, a, as just a thousand dollars yes okay. yes yeah so so that has democratized would, would, that would you like to educate my my viewers on that for a few minutes yeah so basically when you talk about crowdsourcing mm -hmm. uh, there's a company in the uk known as crowdcube so they have crowdcube. a platform crowdcube.com mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so there you can even invest in crowdcube itself there's a time uh -huh. there's an offer for Klarna, which is a very big innovator in the buy now pay later space and you could put even just $3,000 and you become okay. an investor. Okay. So those are options. And uh, sometimes people in that space, they're called angel investors and mm -hmm. stuff like mm -hmm. that. But basically, they're people who believe in startups. Okay, so, so so basically, Robert, it's not like you don't believe in the VC model. Yes. What you are basically saying is that we need to tweak it to our to how our ecosystem works. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, just to expand on that, yes. the way that I look, I look at it is this way, simple. <clears throat> that yes, I have that personal responsibility mm -hmm. to make sure that my family is happy, my wife is happy, yes. my children are, are yes. happy, yes. my mother. Mm -hmm. That is personal, yeah, mm -hmm. which is personal success. Mm -hmm. So it should not come at the expense of the nation. So we need to devote enough time also for building the whole ecosystem. Else you'll have that situation where I was telling you, you can have a, an empty mall, which has happened to some billionaires in Kenya. So that other responsibility where I'm coming in is to, to now guide these young people, that these are the options that are available. Okay. And okay. that when you talk about this VC, it is still a relatively new thing mm. in Kenya. Mm. And this model, it is just, uh, it is something that has come from nowhere mm. and is like a dance party at 3 a.m. People mm. are just dancing. Okay. So you need to be careful about it because we've seen in this ecosystem mm -hmm. and finance at itself, Finance is something that is very seductive. Mm, People could mm. uh, could actually say that GE was brought down by finance. They took True. too much risk in doing True. finance instead of True. doing their core business. Which, we know which some, was some local mm. investment firms, or mm. they went into finance element, these jargons, mm, fair mm. value gains. Then COVID came, they didn't have money. That's why we say we really need to mm. be careful to go How to... How we structure Yes, this. yes, to go to value creation. Because VC is basically investing, like they have invested there. Mm. Believe you me, mm. I'm expecting returns five times or ten times. Yes. I, 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 I'm sorry to say, but <laughs> whatever the customers, those would just be stories. But at the back of my mind, if we remove the story element, the guys want returns. Peter. So, so Ali, let me just finish it off. <laughs> so no, the guys no. want returns. And if we let it go too far, then mm. let's say even 100 startups have been uh, funded here. Yes, and yes. only 10 will succeed. I think that is too far much ahead for us an ecosystem. Because if you look even at the history of VC, we, we are talking about generational wealth. Yes. I've helped local VCs do due diligence and made mm -hmm. investments of over $7 million. Yes. And what happens is that they have family offices. Guys have come together. Mm. So here in Kenya, if you ask us, do we even have extra income at family level? So we are still not at that stage. Now is when we are I learning. See what you mean. People are learning about estate administration and succession yes. planning to yes. have excess. When you have excess, your problems will definitely mm. change. Mm. And now you can take more risk. So I feel like the building blocks 
we are going too much ahead of ourselves and that's why i say that whole buzz what you're saying is, is we are moving too fast yes that whole buzz i feel it is a big distraction if we could just go and even build konza like chinese built their shenzhen uh building, borrowing from silicon valley that would really some help people, us some people would say that konza is more a real estate project than a technology project what are your thoughts on that it can be tweaked because you have to believe and see it the can be block. both yes yes okay. it can be both where you can create an ecosystem uh, just like when you go to jaycourt you just feel like you are a tech if you are in a computer science class there's some energy that is there so we need to there's create some positive that. Yes. vibe that is going yes. on there yes because we need to create that because the feedback that i've received for example about our current innovation hubs yes. is like they're, they're just silicon valley wannabe yeah okay. not, i'll come back to that yes. I, i like that silicon yeah. valley wannabes I'll come back to that. Mm. Peter, what are your thoughts on this whole conversation? I know I interrupted you a bit. Yeah. Uh, but please proceed. No, let's uh, proceed. So, so yes. the first thing, I think, going back to the structure that we started with of a kiosk, uh, a lifestyle business, and, and a, a tech high, and growth, a technology, innovation-led yes. growth company. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you look at where we are as a country we are actually locally funding the high growth tech um led companies mm-hmm. we are dismounted we are what we are dismal yeah we are not funding we're not doing it all the funding that is actually coming last year we had about 50 billion uh, kenya shillings um coming into the ecosystem that It's uh, about 500 million dollars. That's right. Almost. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you look at it, not even 5% of that is is local. Where do you think the problem is? Let me go there. We have a private equity and venture capital act, mm-hmm. right? Which actually gives pension funds a leeway to uh, invest at least 10%. I remember this 5 or 10% of the uh, uh, of their of their funds into private equity or VC. So let's take funds. that for one minute yeah. and look at the National Social Security Fund. Yeah. Robert, do you have an idea of what the total value of NSSF is? Yeah, they're about 300 billion, slightly over 300 billion. Yeah, 300 billion yeah. Kenya yes. shillings. Yes, yeah. and the pension uh, is funds... Is about 1.3 trillion. 1.3 pension trillion. funds, yeah, right. <coughs> over 1.4. One, yeah. 1.3, 1.4 yeah. trillion. Exactly. So, let's, yeah. so let's take yeah. 5% of that. Yep. What's 5% of that, quickly? It could be, let's say, 70... 70, 70B? Billy. To 100B? Yeah. yeah. So let's... So about 200 billion Kenya shillings? Or, or, or no, is that about 100 billion let's, let's call it 70 billion Kenya shillings 70 billion Kenya shillings yeah. that's, Now, that's that's 5% yeah. yeah so if we take 70 billion mm. Kenya shillings mm. and we say mm. that hypothetically now we are sitting here and we are saying we have a we are at the top echelons of government mm. I, we can push that that's right and it's not even a policy it's yeah. an act that is already, it's already there it's really nice. let's activate it and let's actualize it yeah. how would that change the ecosystem and the, and the environment robert thank you very much and that's what brings the distraction uh, view that i insist on is that we are distracted we are just saying it is working in the us let's bring it 
here. And let me tell you, the feedback that I've received even from the regulators and ordinary Kenyans is that as techies, we are too far away from people. So even definition of fintech, what, what, we saw that people are fine. What do you mean we are too far away from people, Robert? Even parliamentarians didn't know the definition of a digital bank. It is our res responsibilities as the innovators. If you if come up with something new okay. uh, early, we need to make more people aware about it so that it is relatable. You'll get early adopters, then they help you spread the gospel. But so I have no problem with yes. that. And that's why some of us have decided that we need to spend a little bit more time yes. engaging with policymakers and regulators. And that's why we formed the Association of Fintechs, for example. And I'm sure there's also an association of private equity. Mm -hmm. uh, things are starting to happen, Robert. They're starting to happen. But you mentioned a term, destruction. Uh, let's deal with that. And how would we use that money, that pot that we've just agreed is available and nobody is using it? And how do we counter that with foreign funding? Actually, Ali, before you go into, Please proceed. into uh, that pot of money is there. Yes. It's, it's not fair, but from a regulatory point of view, it is allowed for those funds. So let's agree, uh, let us agree yeah. hypothetically yeah. that pot is there. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It requires ingredients. Yes. What is required is for those ingredients to be bought. That's right. Okay? Yeah. And no law is stopping these guys to go and buy those ingredients no. and fill that pot. Let, Are we on the same page on let, that? Let's make it even practical. Yes. Nothing is stopping any of the pension funds today from investing in all these startups that have had some pretty decent valuations since inception to where they are nothing is stopping them from doing it so we'll come we'll come to that conversation about valuation in a minute yeah. but robert i'm coming back to you Yes. Why is that money not being invested when it is available? So we've talked about education. You have put all the blame on these young people who are supposed to engage with government and policymakers, and yet they have no clue on how to do it. They're just starting to wake up to that. Now, let me put it to you, Robert. Yes. Openly, we've discussed this mm -hmm. every time. Yes. The onus is not just on these startup founders who are young, who have no clue about policy and regulation. And I've, I keep on talking about this every day. And I will continue to repeat it until we drill it down to everyone in this country. Let me repeat it again. Yeah. Walking into a restaurant, you have three choices. Number one, you have a choice to be at the seat being served food. Number two, you are the waiter who's serving. Number three, you have no clue you're on the menu being eaten. <laughs> are we together? <laughs> yeah. Now, what we are saying is that we are eating our young people. Literally, we are eating our, our young people. So, as a country, you are big in this conversation around country. Can we shift that responsibility a bit and say, fine, is young innovators have not done a good job up to now, but what is government 
therefore. Is government there to serve itself or is government there to serve the people? Robert, over to you. So, so I would say now as uh, age 15 to 50, in my view, <laughs> in Kenya, we have that responsibility. Unless we have that fire burning that you want our country to get ahead. And that's why you need to balance. That those personal achievements, like today I've raised $1 million, that is good, we'll tell you congratulations. Uh, you've moved estates maybe from uh, Nairobi West to Karen. Those are good <laughs> achievements. But at national level, we also need to dedicate time for that. And when we have that, then we now will remove this situation whereby it is the VCs who seem to be controlling the ecosystem. People are sitting away every week, they share, like uh, this is how much has been raised. It is like an excitement. So I can already read the rhythm. So the, that's all they're talking. The next week, some startup in Ghana has issues with the regulation. Now they tell guys, hey, let's post again. Now you need to be regulated. So the conversation is not well structured. Is here and there. It's like, what is going so, on Twitter? Just people joining the bandwagon. And there's zero guidance, even in terms of uh, just telling people that, yes, Robert, yes, Ali, Peter, if you have excess, actually, VC is a good type of funding. Good. If, if you have 1 million Kenya shillings, you can actually put 50,000 there. And if many of us put 50,000, the startup can be funded. So changing cultures and things, that's so where... changing culture. Yes, yes. And I'm sorry, Robert, I'm going to have to stop you there because mm. we're almost running out of time. Yes, I want to come back to Peter. Peter, in two minutes. Before we started here, we had this super interesting conversation around growth for the sake of growth. And you said something that still sticks to my mind. You cannot, you should not scale a mistake. A mistake. Could you kindly talk a little bit about that? And then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, and, and I think... Uh, Robert um, has a very good uh, take on husbanding resources in the right way possible. Um, and this is actually very important for startups, that you need to be very patient um, for growth. And this is actually a message to the VCs also. Uh, in this <laughs> continent... You need to be patient for growth, but you need to be impatient for unit economics. Could or, you expound on that? That's what I want to go. You need to be very patient for growth because you're actually inventing, you're actually investing in something that is supposed to create a market. If you're actually not creating a new market, um, then it's actually not supposed to be a, a super high growth technology or innovation-led business. So therefore, you can be patient for growth because you're creating a market. But you can't, you, can, you have to be impatient for unit profitability. Especially unit economics. Unit economics or unit profitability. That is, if you're losing money on every order that you process, then there is no way you're going to make money even at a million orders. Right? Scale does not solve unit economic problems. And so, therefore, uh, from the inception, as you think about your business model, and revenues models change, as I talked about earlier, and introduced Gobeba, pivot, mm -hmm. is because we realized that the unit economics uh, at scale would actually mean uh, useless um, uh, 
growth. Growth, right? It doesn't really matter how much you scale for as long as you're scaling on negative unit economics. Guys, honestly, I think I'm going to have to have each one of you separately because we're not going to cover this conversation today. We are coming to the end of this episode of Ali Talks Tech. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for your insights. Um, Peter, I really, really, really appreciate your insights, but I see that both of you still have so much to talk about. So I will speak to my team and see whether in the near future that will not bring you guys back, but this time separately. Um, this conversation has been uh, super exciting, guys. I want to thank everyone for um, listening in. I would also like to ask you guys to like our uh, YouTube channel and follow us on all the podcast channels that we are in. That is Spotify, Google Podcast, and I think Apple Podcasts. Thank you, guys. And see you next time. Ali Talks Tech was filmed and recorded at On Air Studios, a CIO Africa company.